This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Boy, you couldn't get uh, the smile off Nancy Pelosi's face last night. Well, oh, hail. Sort of. Yeah, she was beaming. She was the belle of the ball. She's really, I got my job back. Remember this feeling. Know the power to win. And almost all congratulations to those dynamic, diverse, incredible candidates who have taken back the House for the American people. Let us salute all of our candidates. Yeah. For the American yeah. people. Uh-huh. It's about stopping the GOP and Mitch McConnell's assaults on Medicare, Medicaid, the Affordable Care Act, and the health care of 130 million Americans living with pre-existing medical conditions. Let's hear it more for pre-existing medical conditions. Yes, we want more pre-existing medical, what? What the hell? We want bad health for all of you. Okay. Those are six. Stay six. I know what she was attempting to what? say. I'm the Pelosi whisperer. I get it. Um, but uh, uh, what do voters who voted in these House Democrats think they're going to get other than a message sent to Donald Trump and a lot of paperwork shuttling back and forth between the White House and Capitol Hill? For more on the answer to that question, we're pleased to be joined again by our friend Selena Zito. She is Washington Examiner reporter, New York Post columnist, CNN contributor, and the book, the definitive book on Trump's election, The Great Revolt Inside the Populist Coalition Reshaping American Politics. Selena, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Is uh, the uh, populist revolt reshaping American politics still afoot with the mixed results last night? Oh, absolutely. Just because the coalition doesn't win everything doesn't mean that it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I think that last night's results, uh, which we actually predicted at the end of our book, um, uh, with you know, big gains in the Senate and a, a mixed bag in the House uh, shows the, the realignment uh, that's going on in American politics, uh, one that both parties are incredibly unsure about uh, because they don't really know who their, their voters are quite yet, and they don't know uh, how to draw them on out. Uh, I think... Um, that, you know, yesterday as I was talking to strategists and pollsters on both sides of the aisle, uh, it was sort of like having a conversation with Eeyore in that they were both, they were all sort of down and depressed and not expecting to win. And that's because they didn't know who was going to show up. And while the Republicans have a lot to celebrate in those state, um, those, uh, you know, big Senate race wins and in in those governor race wins. Uh, and also, you know, I think it's important to, to look at some of these governors' races. And while the Republicans lost Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, you know, in Michigan, this is very specific to the state in that the, the Republicans didn't put a good candidate up and they didn't run a good race and they didn't have any money. Uh, and and the Whitmer, who won, had a good message, which was fix the damn roads. Mm-hmm. And 
And who doesn't want the damn roast fix? So, you know, and, and, and so she owned that that sort of message and continued with it. And in Wisconsin, you know, the, Walker was asking voters to vote for him for the fifth time in eight years, e- even under even the most popular uh, political um, uh, poll is going to have struggle with that kind of um, loyalty, in particular in a state where uh, where he was a polarizing figure. Now, with Democrats in charge of the House, do you think they'll be focusing on legislation, or do you think they're going to be focusing on investigations and trying to bring down President Trump? Well, because uh, because the, the, Repub- the Republicans still hold a very large majority in the Senate and the White House, uh, I, I don't expect much legislating going on. And so what does that mean? Uh, I think it's just going to be chaotic and messy. And while the Democrats have a great story to talk about today in terms of getting uh, women and military members elected, um, more moderate members, they're going to have a whole heck of a big mess uh, in terms of who's going to be their speaker. You know, I believe it's 37 House members pledged to not support Pelosi for speaker, well, if that holds true, then she will not be the speaker. And then there's just going to be a mess. Mm. And, and, they, and they have essentially one year to either get it right or to just turn into a big family feud. And if it's a family feud that takes shots at the president, Voters are going to say, hey, you know what, we took a chance with you, and you sort of messed it up, and we're going to send you back home. Thank you very much, but we're sending you back home. Remember, the bulk of these races were incredibly close. Well, the the other interesting thing, and you you started to get to it when you're talking about some of the Midwestern races as well, you Trump uh, breaking through the proverbial blue wall in 2016, uh, winning those Midwestern states. Uh, and you and everybody was obviously focused on the marquee Senate races, so Josh Howley winning in Missouri and and Mike Braun winning in Indiana. But a race that sort of slipped under the radar, even against the backdrop of Dem pickups of governors' mansions, that really is important, is DeWine uh, defeating uh, Cordry in Ohio. So again, thinking about Ohio and Florida as key bellwether states for 2020. Republicans held serve there. Yeah, absolutely. It was really funny to me. In fact, I had a story about this the other day, about the eight-year itch. And, and, and voters just tend to switch every eight years. And that's why it was going to be challenging for Republicans to hold these governors' seats because they'd won so many of them in 2010. Uh, but, you know, going into that, everyone was – nervous like every republican operative i talked to was was like nervous and didn't think dewine was going to win and you know and and he's uh, uh tends to be a bit of a um a, a low-key politician and it turned out that wasn't the case at all 
And so with respect to Trump, uh, Trump gave this unfair interview to Sinclair before last night's results, talking about if he had to answering the question, anything you would have done differently in, in the, your first two years. He talked a little bit about tone. Maybe I could soften my tone. I'd like to soften my tone, but I sort of can't soften my tone because then the swamp will envelop me. Uh, what do you expect from Trump now that he has a real antagonist with uh sort of the assembled leadership team, whatever it looks like, of House Democrats? It's it's going to be absolutely crazy. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I'm not even going to pretend. And I, I am so sorry, but I, I'm on a highway, and I'm going to lose you because I'm going up a mountain. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Safe travel. I'm so sorry. Ten and two. Wow. We're going up that mountain. All right. Thanks for, the, thanks for joining us, Selena Zito, Washington Examiner. Reporter, uh, columnist for the New York Post and CNN contributor, who is uh, taking a, a much-needed sojourn up a mountain, uh, driving up a mountain, some, some scenery, taking it all in, keeping the election results in perspective. Let's all do that, you know, here as we you know, pack up and leave Illinois.